The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. You've had that comfy chair in the shed for 36 episodes. Now sit back and listen in as we recap the entire campaign with some behind-the-scenes details from Joe. Learn a little about how things came together in Alamond. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, and welcome back to the Shed for Adventures from the Shed. Brought to you by... One Joe Young. All of, us. all of us. We're all here together. Hey, what? we no, are online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Of course, find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher Radio, all over the place. Hey, did we, we give a shout out to the album guy? To the album Excuse me? Guy. The Swedish album guy? Swedish. Yeah, oh, we gosh. did a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, I can't remember his True. name. Somebody look it up on Facebook while we go around the table and say hi, starting with... Hi, everyone. For this campaign, I played Nestleus, the mostly good, slightly bad, dominating <laughs> mistress of the dark. And nice. I played Calamity, also known as Calamte, because it just kind of happened to be... That's how it point. is phonetically. Yeah, right? Now known Mitty. As, um, Mitty. Also known as Mitty at the end. Uh, and I played a paladin His name is JJ. Mitty. Yeah. JJ. Yeah. If you don't recognize the sound of my voice, you haven't been listening <laughs> to us very long. And Superman. Hey, this is Kurt. I played Truk the Monk with a little druid in him. And uh, if we sound a little fired up here, a little, that's because we just finished a major, major campaign. We're going to talk about it. Heck yeah. And lastly... Hi, this is Brittany. I played Elena, the human... Well, she started off as a paladin fighter, then turned into a bard when we switched... Something, something. Yeah. Agreed. Blah, blah. Um, and I guess extra lastly would be me. I'm Joe. I was the game master as we uh, played our campaign set in the world of Alamon. This is our recap episode. We are, uh, the, the five of us are going to sit here and talk about things all the way from the beginning of this campaign. I'll do the overall quick recap. The world of Alamond we created as a group. I had a map that we kind of referenced but never really looked at very much. And almost all of the world was created based on character backstories, a couple of randomly generated things that I found online. And we started this campaign with the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition rule set. And then halfway through, we moved on to Dungeon World to keep what I felt would be a more audio podcast friendly format going. Uh, what I want to do is we'll just open it up. Let's start at the very beginning. When we first opened our sessions, we started with the spiders in the basement problem. We had Kevin, a redshirt guest here, who played Havoc, the flamboyant bard in uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Um, who remembers what happened there and what fun parts did we have? Spiders in the basement. Yeah. So, I mean, I know Calamity had showed up there because he had a vision from the emperor that uh, the, 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 his path to greatness would start at a bakery. Mm-hmm. Nestleus had just run away from home. She'd lost her mom recently, lost her grandmother, lost all the important feature, figures in her life, and she was basically a young kid on the road trying to figure out her next step. What was, uh, Truk was there to get bread for the monastery. Yeah, Truk was just up training at the yeah. Water Zeshant Monastery, and he was the guy who was in charge of going to town once every week or ten days to get supplies. Does Elena remember why she was there? Elena was there because it was her first time adventuring since, you know, being a kind of runaway, stray, hovering places. She was a runastray. Yeah, a runastray. Um, cool. After she had died that one time. And then I remember Kevin's character, Havoc. He was there because he was sleeping with the mayor's wife. Um, 
and other women and at the same other wives. time. Yes, as long as you were married, he was a target. <laughs> um, the uh, the thing going on behind the scenes, by the way, as far as the Timmy's Tins uh, adventure, that piece of the adventure. Um, the emperor had actually been using Cassily, as we learned later in the story. Um, she did not; uh, the emperor did not control the Naga yet at that point, and um, Cassily was using undead to do her bidding. And it was the white under Cassily's command that had poisoned, that had sent the, the spiders to poison ingredients for the baker. Uh, the baker's son being bitten by the spiders was just a side effect. What they were trying to do was actually poison the bread actually to uh, kill the monks where you were going to bring the bread back and use that to uh, that ruse to then take the sensei away under the cover of night, which never quite worked out. All the puzzle pieces get to yeah. fit in together at the end. I love it. And from there, if you remember, we, we, we left that point. Havoc uh, passed on when we confronted the dark-hooded stranger, which was a white at that hovel outside uh, of town with a, a few skeletons. Um, Havoc died there, uh, leaving uh, this mortal world. Um, I forget. Did I, I was doing a lot of writing at the beginning of this campaign. Did, yeah. uh, did, did we ever post those on the, the website? The uh, actual writings have not been posted, okay. no. But everything you wrote, like uh, the services that were done for Havoc and stuff like that, we all talked on the air and yeah, you read through them. Um, Nestle's uh, her first interaction with the diary was then. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember? first time she wrote in her yeah. diary and we got some feedback. The rest of the group seemed a little nervous, curious, unsure about the strange power in this book. And Nestalus was just like, whatever, man, this is my guide right now. She had lost yeah. her way and was trying to find a way back. She ended up finding her way eventually. Yeah, she did. Her way was a weird, dark way. But she mm-hmm. found it. She found it. Um, does anyone else remember anything from that area between Timmy's Tins and this little uh, the first encounter, the real bad guy encounter outside of town i mean one of the main things i remember about that time was this one we were playing 5e dungeons yeah. and dragons and it, and two it's the first time i'd ever played a monk ever yeah. in D. oh yeah you did the whole uh turn of arrows thing like you used up all mm. your key points uh, that actually happened in the next yeah. step where we can go oh, right, right there now because it's right. a good segue that we were headed towards tijon yeah i mean my point is just ambush. those early yeah. episodes a lot of it was just i was excited just having this totally new archetype to play yeah, yeah really you, nothing you like it. Really effective. effective. Yeah, yeah. I'd, um, I'd love to go back and play a five D monk again. I thought that was a great character, yeah. particularly the path that I took. Cool. In fact, I mean, we, we'll probably talk about it more later. But I like a lot of stuff about Dungeon World, but I missed the complexity of the monk character when I shifted to the fighter character. All of those stats get lost when you don't have them. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Deep. When you have things like grab an arrow and throw it back, which is like JJ was mentioning. Um, that should just be what it's called from now on. Grab an arrow and throw it back. <laughs> it or, like, or, you know, the double, yeah. triple attack. You know, eventually you end up being you know, like yeah. three attacks. And, yeah. And so, that's yeah. the thing with Dungeon World. You have to think of it. With D&D, it's on the paper in front of you. Yeah. And you can just reference it quickly. In Dungeon World, if I had said somebody shoots an arrow at you, you'd have to say, well, I'm going to grab it and throw it back at them. And then you would have to roll that. But you have to think about it first, which is um, definitely a difference in tone and a difference in the way you play, for sure. But during that, that's a good point. During that, that was an ambush where Truk almost died. Yeah. Yeah. Remember what happened there? It was a couple of teenage whites. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, you guys remember? No. They were off to the sides of the White road as you were approaching Tijon. Yeah. They and there was a real bus. Mm-hmm. They ambushed w- us. We were coming across a field, and they yeah. were there, and it was an ambush. Truk was scouting, and he decided to start fighting them without going back to alert the party. Yeah. It took us a while to I get I had there. a slightly inflated sense of self-worth at that point. Well, it was a good were, learning lesson. Level one at D&D yeah. is yeah. not so strong. You were a young monk. Yeah. And we were like one of the three by then, weren't we? What's that? We were like three. Well, I mean, we might have been two, but I don't I mean, remember what level it was, but it was still low. Yeah, yeah just a small time really monk. We were you can get one shot killed in at level one. But oh I remember gosh. one of the one of the moments beautiful. from there that I remember pretty vividly was probably one of the loudest cheering that we had on the podcast when I said, "If you grab that arrow and you roll a twenty, throwing it back, you knock the other one out of the sky, and you rolled the twenty. Yeah, and yep. there was just mass cheering. Five percent chance. Hands awesome. went up. We were all, ah, and then somebody—I don't know who it was—but somebody said, "If you didn't guess, he rolled the 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Brit. That's my smart. That was ass. awesome. Yeah. That was cool. But that was one of those moments that everybody cheered for. Yeah, uh, how I mean, the game was going. It's awesome when you set something up like that and you knock it out of the park. And then he, the, the, the dice do have a tendency to do that sort of thing. They help you help you tell the story. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then we reached Tijon. Remember what happened in your hometown. So True. children had been being abducted from town. Uh, and I was particularly well, worried because my younger brother was there. And Ooh, uh, without Kurt saying it, does anyone else remember the name of his brother? Benji. What? Ben- Renji. 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 You mm-hmm. got it with an R. Yep. Well done. Bingo. Right. <laughs> right. And so basically. What's the, his name? Oh. There was the, the hooded stranger was, you know, collecting children. And, and that turned out to be Castle Lee. Yes. Right. Right, and, and at first, you know, we don't have first point time. Out. The first time, although we had or written com- yeah, we had written complex backstories going into the campaign, but they were totally independent of each other, yeah. and so like I did not have any sense for, even though I may have read JJ's backstory, it didn't mean anything to me, and so at this mm-hmm. point, this is just a very localized adventure, yeah. and I mean I thought Castle was the big bad, and you know so we're just trying to save the area around the monastery. She stayed pretty much a big bad right yeah. up until the end when she you did. found out that uh, she was a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, Ooh, cobbled in the corner. So part of my job is when I get all the backstories oh. is to link them somehow. Right. So that's what I ended up doing, um, taking bits and pieces from each one and trying to turn them into stories that we can all play together and, and have them hopefully feel organically linked in the end. Um, now, do you remember turning to stone at that point? I do because I wasn't here Both for it. Both of you, <laughs> well, you were there to when stone. You, you were paralyzed at one point during Medusa 2.0. <laughs> and it I ended do- up just being Elena until you unfroze yourself. I do remember that at that point, Nestleus was kind of as obsessed with Truk. Hold Kurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember chipping off with a little bit of his hair. My rippled his, abdomen. Your rippled my, uh, abs chiseled and your like, <laughs> flowing hair. I remember playing Tetris with the stone bodies. Yeah, because oh. we had to... On the first yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was uh, compromising positions. I it was. It, it totally was. It was yeah. like you guys are like totally sixty nine. <laughs> it was. It That's was. That's how te- Tetris works. JJ is a good looking man. I got no problem yeah. with that. It was Tetris Juvenile Edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we only got more mature they were also as the campaign juveniles went on. on the yeah. Travoy. So we only got more mature in the final episode. We were teabagging demons. So, <laughs> it only got better. <laughs> it only got better from there. Um, so in that area, in Tijon, Tijon, the way it was um, behind the scenes, at that point, uh, still, the emperor and Castle had no control over the Naga yet. And 
in order for her to get anything accomplished, she was still using undead. But in the meantime, to appease the Naga, uh, she was bringing them children. And that's how they were, they were capturing the children and bringing them to the Naga. Because one of the things that Naga use to maintain their immortality is the souls of the young. Mm-hmm. So they were, uh, she was claiming the children or, or turning them to stone to bring them back for the Naga to be claimed. Um, and after Tijon on that path, you guys defeated her. Actually, she was defeated. Um, had a head in a bag at one point. If you yep. remember, you severed her head and put it in a bag. Uh, That's but where I met Medusa 2.0, right? Yes. And then she is reborn. So at this point, she's going through a transformation to become a Naga. And when she is reborn, each time she is a little more powerful. So the next time you meet her, she is 2.0. And that trail, you guys uh, dragging, uh, I say you guys specifically, you girls dragging the the stone men along, uh, got them to the monastery. And if you all remember, we actually had a little monastery montage in Magic Mm -hmm. Items, uh, I think may have even been the name of that episode, where we said that we were in the monastery under siege for weeks. I think it may have even spanned a month and a half or so. Medusa 3.0 and and how Elena breaks down. Yes. We, um, and then goes mute. Something fucking Nestleus did, I swear to God. Well, you know, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Fun fact, that was recorded like November 1st. Wow. Because I lost my voice on Halloween. Long time ago, Nice, man. huh? Wow. Um, remember Kurt, during that episode, he rolled uh, a 100 on the percentile dice to get yeah. the unbelievably powerful uh, the cloak of flying. The yes. cloak of flying. We got the awesome. wings. Well, I we rolled it, abandoning. and then you ended up getting it because it was cool. Oh, yeah. Character. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then those like wings were awesome. twelve episodes later, I found out that I'd read the dice wrong. They were mechanically awesome for the D and D system. They were relatively Not useless so for dungeon world, yeah, so we yeah. kind of abandoned the. That idea. monastery uh, battle, though, I can't remember if we did it then or if it was a flashback, but that was one of the most fun things for me because I had figured out how to play the monk relatively yeah. well, and so he got to do cool things like jump off the walls and throw alchemist fires exactly. and land and like wail on demons and you also that was got really fun. butt whooping from the air sensei for dealing for the sword. Yeah. Trying to take the sword. But yeah. that that was one of for me one of the more visual episodes. Um, also where we yeah. met Michaela. It's where we met Michaela. Oh that we didn't hussy. do the epilogue. We didn't do the epilogue to the campaign where True well, gets to go off. We can do and that after a, this have a romantic Stop <laughs> it. Stop <laughs> shut up shut up. We're not there yet. Um, okay. So with that one, by the way, to to Kurt's point, the amount of description you were able to get, this is something that um, for people looking to span time frames in an adventure, the way we handled it here, I had asked each person um, in between sessions to write up a paragraph or two of what you would have done over a month while the place you were in was besieged. Um, How did you act? How would you have done this? How do you... Within that context, justify leveling up because we went through level ups at that time as well in D&D. So when we put that together, um, it, it, it gave you that time. So rather than having to come up with it on the spot, you could type it up in an email uh, a week before we even started, which allows you you know, more freeform thought and being able to put that information together. So for people... Uh, listening who want to span a time frame in an adventure, try to do it between sessions and ask people to just write up a paragraph, a few sentences, something to describe what they think would have happened. It gives them more time to work on. Yeah. And for us on the podcast, that helps us jump forward a level or two to get new skills because you don't necessarily want to listen to us play from level four to level nine. Yeah. You want to see where we get new skills, new feats. Um, so what might take a year at home, we're trying to compress into three months or four yeah, months. Yeah, it's not as exciting when 
you're trying to listen through it versus playing it. Exactly. So we always play with keeping our listeners in mind, all three of you. And that's one thing we excel at here. All three of you should be happy about it. <laughs> uh, and behind the scenes there, the Naga attacked the monastery to try and abduct the sensei. Yep. They were after him at the time. We didn't know that at the time. No. Though. So when, uh, when Cassily had been defeated the second time and she returned um, to where the Naga were that are helping her transform is where she first started getting some control over them. Her and the emperor are starting at that point to, uh, uh, to get control from the Naga. Now, the emperor is getting some of his power. He's been going mad uh, with the power from the, the vessel of darkness, the heart of darkness underneath the city. Mm-hmm. And um, he is starting to get some of the control that Dantalion used to have. From that scroll, we know that 500 years ago, Dantalion commanded so the Naga and the demons. Was I, uh, was kind of like, uh, I almost think like Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. like you have moments of lucidity was uh, him sending me there to foil his um, crazy plans? Uh, was oh, that, was that I a- wanted to mention that. As, I mean, it's really just uh, metagaming from my side there. I would say now that it was really Nassan sending you there under guise of the emperor sending you there to actually try and foil the emperor from doing it. Okay. Oh, it was like Inception, a, yeah, a, a plan retcon. within a plan. Yeah, I would definitely retcon that um, to, to read that way. But you would have thought the Emperor sent you because it was the Emperor's order, but it was given by the Councilman Nassan. Mm. So that would have sent that. And in the meantime, um, I say that the, the Naga eventually don't get in. They turn on Cassily saying, look, clearly you're not the boss of us because this ain't working, and they leave. So you guys successfully defended the monastery. And after that, you guys get your... Um, get our special stuff. You, you get, yeah, you get the stuff from the monastery, and then you make your way to Fraber, City of Bridges. And that's where we met Raquel and Roxoff. Roxoff. The, uh, the quarry boating shipping business where they got the, the, the quarry stones. Roxoff. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, which then led to sailing to Wint. The whole pirate thing. JJ, I want you to talk about the whole pirate thing. Because it started with us just saying, we're going to sail to Wint. Yeah, well, we were going to use a merchant vessel that was under my empire's employ to, you know, head over to Wint. Pelts of plenty. Pelts of plenty, exactly. Yeah. And um, after the fact, or in between sessions, I kind of, you know, pulled Joe aside. I was like, hey, you know, what if if Calamity did this thing and uh, Joe is like, yes, I love it. Yeah. And um, so what Calamity actually did was uh, he approached the South Seas Pirates captain. And uh, in order to basically um, make money, instead of it costing money to sail to Wint, uh, he had the pirates attack the ship. And, you know, uh, Calamity's team was to uh, defend the Pulse of Plenty ship. From the pirates, and then, you know, with the defense, the the captain would be so grateful mm-hmm. um, that he would, you know, endeavor to pay uh, Calamity's team. At the same time, Calamity would then benefit the pirates by paying them back for the attack. So he basically created arbitrage where he both bought a put and a call and yep. played both sides of the market. Exactly, and then. It worked worked out even better than he thought. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah. it worked out better than he thought because it just you know, 
Uh, we got the unlimited credit coin. Yep. Yeah, and we went. Uh, it'll, it it wasn't unlimited. Happy. It was close enough. Close <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah now, <laughs> We'd know the limit when we hit it. One thing, uh, Mickey, if you and remember, JJ earlier just mentioned how the dice can definitely help tell the story. They can help make the story, for that matter. And that, if you remember, when we were doing that, it was still in the D&D rule set. And I was having JJ roll a charisma roll opposed by the captain's, I think I used wisdom or something like that. And he rolled like a, a 19 or something. And I showed you the die and the, the captain had rolled a one at yeah. the time where Calamity's saying, I think you should pay us double. And yeah. he was like, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that looks good. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, sure. Whatever you want. And then by the time you got into port, you had talked yourself up so much. He was ready to just buy anything for you. on credit. He was ready to yeah. just... Hey, homage. He was also tickling you under the table. <laughs> Pretty much. He's playing homage, you know. He was just on his knees, yeah. just having a good time. Is now, that where we first went to Wint? Yes, it was. Yeah. Where well, we met the, well, we first experienced the bidet room. The oh. bidet room. Oh, yeah. Seaside um, bidet room. Now, nothing, seaside. nothing really became of it, but if you remember when you um, traveled into Wint, one of the interesting things was the place was run by dwarfs, and there were the fire elements. The fire element, elementals. The and right. someone said something about cats were always just like... Yeah. JJ was... They kept following in the footsteps of the fire elementals because they were warm spots on the stones. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, it did, did... Something did come of it, because if you remember yeah. uh, during this little last leg of this campaign, yeah. um, I said I wanted to make a steamship. That was powered by a oh, fire yeah, elemental. Yeah, so, right. but you ended up. With I, I, I did. I did. Yeah. You know, try to tie it back in. You just yeah. kind of shot the idea down. <laughs> you ended up with the skeleton crew. I couldn't say no to that. Yeah. That's true. Steamship skeleton crew. You get the crew. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's way too punny. It's so punny. Oh, so, so it was around when that we had the Christmas episode. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. With Arcus Arcanum, Arcus where Arcus. only Calamity got to go in because you know. Uh-huh, yeah. He kept he yeah. kept the tiefling out, even though she was disguised. The tiefling herself. was like, whatever. I don't need to hang out with you wizards you anyway. Know, and then I'll you still, got all I stole angsty. the wi- yeah. I stole the Wi-Fi essentially. It was yeah, like hanging did. out outside. <laughs> she did and tapping awesome. into the ley lines. You anyway. got all angsty and stuff, and we're yelling at them through the door. Yeah, and then we had the Christmas episode, uh, holiday episodes, whatever we want to call it. Um, <laughs> killed that red-nosed reindeer. Yes, I can't believe you guys killed Rudolph. You guys are <laughs> awful. So, uh, Britt, you liked that, that series of stuff. What did you I think? I did. Talk I thought it, it was little. very cute how it was put together and how everything kind of tied in at the end, like, like with everything else, <laughs> a, as is this episode. Cool. Um, my favorite thing about that was, like, the riddles and stuff, I guess, on the doors, mm. which I guess technically didn't have a right answer when they were made, but we still found cool ways to make it work out. That's a key. That, that's another thing. And also, the gingerbread room was also. You get to eat them. We got yeah. to eat the, the scenery when we were done because yeah. it was gingerbread. I took pictures. Did anyone post pictures? I don't remember if they were posted, but we could definitely get them up um, online. I like uh, the elf sweatshop. Yeah. yeah. The zombie elves. Zombie elf sweatshop. Zombie halflings. Was it? Yeah, they were halflings. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. believe you. Yeah, Half no, el- halfling elves. They were halfling and half elf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time that, like, Nestleus. Like really got into the whole like mind tapping. Oh, for sure, because you uh, you 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 convinced Nick Nico that you were another voice in his head. Yeah, one of a thousand. And like I remember, the rest of the party was like, "Whoa, we need to like keep our eye on her." I think one of my favorite parts about that episode was that what was it? Uh, Gravity. Reverse gravity. Reverse gravity. Yeah, he was all set to mess with you guys, but since Nestle has decided to get in his head instead of attacking, and I think that was the first time too where we 
worked on a diplomatic solution rather than just correct. Just shooting everything. Just, yeah, because yeah. we felt so bad after. Well, Rudolph. after you killed, Ru- you guys killed Rudolph. Yeah. You attacked this poor Frosty the Snowman. No, we didn't. We we, we, we didn't we, attack we, anything in there after the reindeer. We we, after nope, the reindeer? we noped on out of there. You got to look at everyone, though. Yeah, which was we a were big old bag of nopes. We were sure they were all going to come after us at the end. And it was right, right around this time that you met Wayne. Yeah, Wayne. Uh, it was later on. You're uh, oh no, it was no, it was, here. no it, was here. it was here. It was here. Because I, I wrote about after. it. She had a different boyfriend at that time, didn't she? But I was still pining Mikhail? over Truk. No, yeah. I was pining over Truk until the monastery, and then he met Michaela, and I was like, fuck that guy. No, you had a boyfriend that you killed. You had a boyfriend that died. You're right. That was during the monastery montage. Mikhail. <laughs> the monastery montage. He okay. he died. I mean, I don't even remember him. Uh, That's he because, was, uh, because he, never, he wasn't like something that we played with. It was one of those in between episodes. She yeah. made up this story. Exactly. You just she used was him and threw him away. She, no, yeah. she used it was, she was goblins. Right? She was still him. immature. Yes. She was trying yeah. to get Truk's attention using Mikael to make Truk jealous, and Mikael Mikael ended up dying. Yeah. as a result, of it was that. a sad Romeo. She Juliet faked an injury. Shit, where basically <laughs> she was like, "I'm yeah. gonna fake an injury," and he's like, "Oh God, she's actually injured." So he runs in to save her, and he dies. Oh, it was it's pretty bad. And then she wakes up. She's like, "I'm fine now." So yeah, Nestleus was kind of always dark, right? Uh. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. very. Very narcissistic, at least. Oh, totally narcissistic. <laughs> and from there... What a bitch! From there, if you remember, um, part of learning Capital was getting C. the book from Nico and combining that with the information that you uh, learned in the library. So you had read the history of the Fae in the library. You got uh, Nico's diary, his ramblings, his journal. Um, put the two together and ended up going to the Grove. Yeah. Because that was actually why you sailed to Wint in the first place. Because you figured that's the center of information for the world. You could uh, find out where the, the secret grove of the ancient Fey Oracle is. And then after getting this information, you had a good idea. Uh, one of Nico's old contacts was a wild walker. Turned out to be Drugana. And you guys started to make your way towards a grove. Do you remember that trip? Where'd you pick up your plant, Truk? At, at the, the inn in Winston. Yes. Yeah, that remember there was the young, right. yeah, there was the the young druid who was just sitting talking to himself and he had the potted plant. Yeah. And then one morning I woke up and it was just out sitting outside my door. Yeah. Frederica. 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 Aww, that's where you first met your staff. And it was because of your comments that if I were a sapling, I'd want to grow up in the secret grove of the ancient Fey Oracle. And that gave you that connection with Frederica. She formed a bond with the wandering monk at that point. Which helped him to become a druid. Yeah. Which is nice. Man, I um, tell you, I got, um, it's funny because I definitely like playing spellcasters. Like intellectually, I think playing spellcasters are interesting. And there's a part of me that always loves rogues and kind of assassins. But man, the druid, that's a class I never played growing up. And I'm naturally drawn to that class. I really like cool. that. cool. Yeah. I think it fits with your personality. Yeah. I was real outdoorsy growing up and... Yeah. And then, you know, J.J. recommended I read the Iron Druid Chronicles books. There you go. And I'm definitely not copying him, but, you know, that makes you think about how they draw power and how they channel From power the in a different way. Yeah. That and I that's really a like. good thing. That's Kevin Hearn for all those out there who want to listen. Yeah, to great, great fantasy books if, you are, if you're at all interested. Iron Druid Chronicles, Kevin Hearn. So let's deviate for a moment because on the way to the Grove, that same time frame, we played an episode where you guys played Demons. Ronnie was along for that episode. That you was guys the played, most fun. You guys played ever. demons that were on your way to confront this um, demon child, Nessalus, at the Grove. 
Do you remember that episode? Oh yeah, flaying babies. Uh, yeah, skin. Like I, we found out that like we play mm, dark really well. Yeah. We well, either play I dark. Out that like, I had no really idea how to play dark. Like I didn't know how to be bad, so I decided to be bad at it. So I yeah. had the mildly mentally retarded one. So we're either really <laughs> good like demon who hugs at everyone. being bad or like really bad at being bad. But like, <laughs> well, when we were b- bad pirates. Oh, the we pirate were, we'll get to that one. Oh, okay. The demon one now. Right. We're going in one, timeline. Like we are. I just, just remember there was a lot of baby flesh talk. Yeah. There was a lot of like evil, just dirty, nasty. And, uh, I was entering everything shit. that I possibly could. You, but it was a different kind of dirty, nasty, disgusting than we usually do, which is related to dominate. And what <laughs> did, she, did he just say what you usually do? Yeah, he did. Um, Jerk. The, <laughs> what we usually do. Oh, okay. <laughs> to JJ's point, he was entering everything. The, the name of that episode ended up being How to Pass a Demon because the yes. demon got went into the deep, druid. I got by the druid. You, you got out. pooped out by the druid. And this was the druid that had originally had Frederica. So right. that druid <laughs> ended up slain at the hands of the player demons. Yeah, that was. You bad. guys remember destroying it? And, yeah. and that was what, bad. W- remember what it looked like when a druid dies yeah. in the presence of, of demons? It was a glorious sight for the demons. It was an evil. We basically created a shadow, shadow, a shadow wood. forest. Shadow yeah, forest. a blight, a blight upon the land. That was pretty yeah. bad. And those demons ended up finding their way to the grove. Now, Kurt, you um, this was Truk's first introduction to Druganaw. Yes. Do you remember what I it was like? I think it was, was like right about arrived? here also that we, that switched, we switched to... Um, after, the, after the grove. Yeah. Yes. Because we had the played, battle in the grove. We played the battle in It was in between Nessalus and Elena's stories. Yeah. yeah, we switched before I got druid powers because mm-hmm. I didn't do any 5e multi-class. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the grove was like this completely verdant, you know, beautiful, green, lush... Oasis of life, kind of even even brighter than what was around it. And we yep. came in, and there, Druganaw had kind of his small. I envisioned it as kind of a, almost a hut hole dug into the side of what the I was thinking hill. was a human sized like hobbit, hobbit hole. Exactly. That's what a I hobbit kept hole. thinking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, he was just a good presence. You know, just wise and good. You know, kind of like a Gandalf type, but yeah. but a little more natural, a little more hippie. Yeah, definitely more hippie. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. in one of those episodes that Elena stopped being the big sister and started being called Mom. Yeah. Because <laughs> you went invisible and I me. freaked out at you. Yeah. Because, you know. And the demons just kept coming after Nestle. That was their sole target, and everyone got free shots on the demons, but it still took a while to bring them down. I think that was the first time we'd actually, like, learned about uh, the force demons. after Nestle. Yeah, yes. it was a big and, bad uh, force. I also rem- seem to remember that that's when you guys decided I wasn't such a bad guy because I was focused on actually saving. Yeah, and you were dealing butt tons of damage. I did butt tons of damage, yeah. and I saved Nestle with lay on hands. Yep. Yeah, I remember Nestle was really close to passing that. Thing. Yeah. And that battle, every turn, uh, one more hit or one more damage die could have taken Nestle out almost every turn of that battle. It was an interesting one. I liked it. Um, now, after the Grove, we switched. We switched to Dungeon World. Um, and the now, reason we switched. The and re- the reason we switched was because um, JJ had been making everyone's character sheets, and <laughs> nobody was bothering to actually so learn them before. By the Lesson way, to other groups out there. Yeah, for, for anybody listening, um, you can sense the dripping bitterness in JJ's tone <laughs> as we continue. It's like, gosh, guys, can't you guys <laughs> figure out your characters? That's not what we were talking about. But please, go, please go ahead because I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, 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 I didn't, you know, I, I don't 
mince words, but Dungeon World is not my cup of tea. Yeah, and we've um, talked about it before. I and um, so, like, when we had to switch, and I agree with Joe that the way the D&D was being played, where everyone was going, wait, how do I play this again? Every <laughs> single episode is yeah. not good for audio content. So, uh, switching to Dungeon World was the right choice. Um, and going forward, if we revisit 5e, then we will be making sure that everyone creates their own characters and knows them on their own. We're going to make it as simple as possible. Yes. I think I think we Kiss. should. Ha- I'll have to make our own characters. We should Kiss. have to do any leveling up and submit it to the GM three days before the session, and we should have to keep duplicate copies of our character sheets in the shed. Kurt, you have no idea what you're asking Kurt. of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Of I mean, look, I had to recreate Truk three times in the last three weeks. So I want to. I want to point out here <laughs> that to JJ's point, he has specifically not said that either system is better or worse. The point is, regardless of which one you like. For our format, spending too much time on the rules does not sound good. And we are an audio podcast. So when we were spending too much time recounting rules, looking up what page in the book, where is it on my character sheet, that becomes a bit tedious for the listener. So we switched to Dungeon World for the sole purpose of keeping a nice, steady audio podcast where we don't have to worry so much about rules. Yeah, more Um, evidence that we keep you, our three viewers, in mind. Exactly. (laughs) Viewers. Viewers. Um, but I, I completely agree with that assessment. Uh, from JJ's point, it, it can be frustrating when you're waiting for people to look stuff up, especially when you know it because you created it. But exactly. We did, we did switch to Dungeon World at that point. We went through the whole epi- uh, an episode talking about how we switched it, how I adapted the characters based on the way you guys had played for the first 15 or 16 episodes, I think it was. And then we just we kind of continued from there. And for, for, to my recollection, our next step was we went back to Wint for a, a brief stint. But then we went on Elena's adventure where we started learning a little bit about her past. And we headed off towards the Temple of the Order of Light. Oh, yeah. um, and on the way, we stopped at Carthal. Yes. Le- Elena's character player, Brittany. Talk about that a little. Well, in Carthal, it was Alyssa. Yeah. Um, Alyssa, they got to the town, and first off, Nestleus the entire time was pissed off at Elena. <laughs> because, why didn't I know this about you? <laughs> <laughs> Calling you, Alyssa. Don't know why. <laughs> you know, it's a subconscious thing. Yeah. Um, so we get there, and the entire town is kind of messed up because these ghosts keep showing up at night. Yeah. And so we have to try to figure out how to save them. And we end up going to Alyssa's old contact, who was the blacksmith, Hevid the 524th. Or yeah, 17th, that, something like that. You know, I like this 524th. They die quick. I think it was like 12. <laughs> <laughs> they use the 12th or something yeah. like that. Um, but that's where we found out about the legends of the... Hidden temple. Swords. <laughs> the prophecy. The legends of the swords. Yeah. And that was uh, one of the first experiences um, with the swords and then the yes. prophecy the next time we talked to him, yeah. Yes. And then we left the town to go to the temple, the temple where there were, as usual, demons fighting Nagas. <laughs> yeah. So with this one, if you remember, in between there was a camp. And during this time we actually had our, our um, guest Chris was on and he was yes. playing Jer. The cleric, who was one of the background people from Elena's, Elena's. background. 
Oh, Elena also found out her mom died. Moving on. Yeah. Well, that, I guess that's how that it happened in it. the episode. That short stint in Wint was where Jer showed up, broke the news to Elena that her mom died, and the paladins were wiped out. Um, and as a little bit of a behind-the-scenes thing, the reason ghosts were wandering around was because the paladins and many of their protections had been destroyed at the Temple of Light. Um, but so it wasn't like the ghosts of the paladins. They no, no, ghosts them. in general. There were ghosts that the paladins weren't able to dispel anymore. Yeah, they, there were things kept in check by the power at the temple. And when that power was messed with, uh, mm. some things just fell apart. This was yeah. one of those. Because once we grabbed the sword and the temple was completely demolished, mm. I guess. Well, it was rendered useless at that point. Yeah. It was just a, a, a big piling of stones yeah. at that point. That's when the ghosts stopped. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, from the temple, uh, there, when it came down to behind the scenes, the Naga and the demons were fighting, yes. They had destroyed all of the paladins. They were trying to get to the swords. When you guys showed up to the sword, when you guys showed up, um, let me take that back. They weren't actually trying to get to the sword. They thought a paladin was holed up in the, um, the, the chamber that only a paladin could get into. They thought there was a paladin inside there because they weren't looking for swords. They were looking for people. They were looking for people. The Naga had the upper hand. If you guys remember when you got to that room, it was Naga inside or outside, you know, beating down the door trying to get through. Um, so they had the upper hand at that time. They thought there was a paladin inside the vault um, and they wanted to capture that person. It was going to be the last paladin, the, the pinnacle of that order so that they could use it as the key. Um, and it's only later that they realize Elena is the last one and that then they go out to get her later on. But you guys remember what happened at the temple? Elena walked through a wall. A lot of asking. Yeah, we, 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 we tried did to a fireball, suck the oxygen out of everything. Everyone a lot had to of find ass a different kicking. way to. And there was a lot of ass kicking. Yes. Mostly we were kicking our own ass. Still, ass kicking was <laughs> happening. <laughs> yes. We did have to, like, drop to the floor and get yeah. oxygen. Some of us dropped on. to the floor. Someone tried to run out. I had to stop, yeah. drop, and roll. Put some flame yeah, out. you did. Um, and at that time, too, uh, what, one of the things I remember was um, outside of the temple where demons and Naga were fighting. It was one of those where, what plan do we have to get in there? And it just ended up being, let's charge forward. And I remember, Oh, yeah, Elena charged yeah. first, and then everyone tried to defend her on the way yeah, in. I remember Jer was there, and I think he had some of the best roles to try and defend Elena, which made sense because yeah. he was from her past. Um, but oh, that yeah. was just one of those interesting things of, you know, screw it. We don't have a plan. Just charge. Oh, man. Yeah. That's another episode with a guess. And yeah. then, like, at the end of the episode, we forgot. We remember that we had forgotten him in the temple. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> Whoops. Poor And feller. so Elena had to go find him later on. So after that, um, we went back to Wint again. And that's where uh, I think that we're, we're getting to that point, I believe, now where um, uh, uh, Elena's player character Brittany may have missed a couple episodes right Nessalus in my notes Nessalus made a tweet yes so let's talk about that a little bit oh my god yeah so she had to get message across a large span warn the monk the sensei warning the sensei that these demons were coming out to get them these demons (laughs) fuck the wizards she was going to again hack into the wi-fi and 
She just did. outside. I, you know, I love of the that temple. analogy, Mickey. That's you know? a perfect one because wasn't that episode like Alamon's first tweet or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she hiked into the the ley lines and was able to get this message across time. Yeah. Oh no, not time, but space, space across yeah. space to to warn the monks. And of course, Calamte, being the like money grubbing scum that he was, <laughs> he <watched> copied it <laughs> and copied it. Yeah. And made it a little bit better, begrudgingly, yeah. she admits. Possibly. So that he could actually replicate it Begrudgingly. You tried to kill me. <laughs> That's true. No. Well, and I didn't know. realize that it was going to happen that way. She was just trying to get a message out to the monk. She didn't realize that the cost. They required the life force of an p- ancient paladin order. Well, you know, magic has a cost. She didn't realize All magic comes with a price, dearie. That <laughs> bad of a cost. So because I knew Brittany was out that episode, my notes for behind the scenes are... Nestle's tweet, Nestle's tweet makes a demon aware of their location because the demon's watching his daughter. So he sees this new magical force happen and sees what's going on. Well, it turns out the emperor knows th- about the demon because this is the demon's power source that the emperor's gaining his power from. So the demon's watching Nestle's and the emperor's watching the demon. Because of this and the link that they have with, uh, or the link that, Nestleus has with Elena, this is where they learn that Elena is the missing key, the last piece of the puzzle they don't know about. She is the last paladin. That's when they learn about it, and this revelation knocks um, Elena unconscious because Brittany wasn't there. Otherwise, what's the point, yeah. right? But Why does it feel like? It puts her into the coma, and because Everybody it happened due to the tweet, me. that symbol that Nestleus wrote on the ground, traced on the ground, is what is showing on Elena's forehead as she is lying unconscious in the, was it the fourth order of something? Yeah. Right. The fourth church of Wint. Something the fourth, like that. fourth second <laughs> yes. church of Wint. <laughs> we, I know, the we, we left her in like, the care of, yeah. You know, caring people who would protect her. Care who apparently people. have hippogriffs or yeah. wyverns or... Griffins. Griffins. Yeah. Griffins <laughs> in now, their it was dwarves, wasn't you, it? The only reason, uh, or the only thing that I would really have not defined anywhere is that. Because we were playing and somebody said she needs to fly in on a griffin. I have no explanation of where the griffin came <laughs> from or where it went. It just showed up and now it's gone. But... It's the, a giant eagle from Lord of the Rings. The, de- the Dantalian sent demons, and the Emperor sent Naga to Wint only to learn that Elena had flown away. So Elena had flown away, and the, they showed bitches. up at Wint to get her. I would just like to point out that wherever Elena got this griffin from, it was faster than your super special, faster than fast. Well, no like shit, shit, you're fucking flying, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Whose fault is that? Sorry. So now at you that can bleep point, that out. at that point in the adventure, Do not bleep that out. both the demon and the emperor think that Calamity, Elena, and uh, Rayshon are the three keys. At that point in the adventure, that the time when when Brittany is out, um, that's where they determine these are the pieces we need to to finish the puzzle. And from there, Kraken. Kraken. Yeah, we went across the sea to cut a kraken. We're back on the sea. I think you actually used the 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 books, mm. like the the, the, the Dungeon World book. The I one see. difference is I knew you guys would deal a ton of damage, so I doubled the hit points of the kraken. We still made calamari out of that. You bitch. sure did. 
Speaking of that, see, we totally missed uh, the, Skeleton f- the first fight where I was flying, and I was like Falcon just kicking ass on everything. You know what? I'm willing to go back to talk about that for a moment, because that was an invisible flying monk. Yeah, that's all I need to say, is that was, like, that was my combat highlight. Invisible yeah. flying monk, who would literally like land, strike things three times from behind, kill it, take off, repeat, rinse, back. lather, repeat. <laughs> rinse, lather, repeat. Or lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. I guess if you're repeating it, the order doesn't matter. Yeah, right? That's a good point. So, but the Kraken was fun. That was a big fight. Yeah. We were never in real danger of dying, but it, it felt like an epic battle. Yeah. It actually reminded me of, if anyone's played God of War, there's these big set pieces where you like fight some mythic monster and it's like four times bigger than you on the screen. That's what that one felt like to me. Yeah. And, and in this case, you essentially, in, in Dungeon World terms, for the most part, you fought a baby Kraken. Because a real Kraken should have just enveloped the ship, enveloped the ship, and, and dragged it down I to like the deep. I like enveloped. Either way, it would have licked the thing and sealed <laughs> it, and stuck yeah. a stamp on it, <laughs> posted it. Post. And and from there, you guys made your way back to Freyberger City. Well, we, we didn't go over the skeleton crew. I just mentioned it briefly while he was talking. But it's to me, I love the skeleton crew thing. Obviously, I keep talking about it. But um, yeah, I, that idea. Uh, JJ talked, t- mentioned that. Yeah, no, I, I, about the idea? I, I started as a pun, and then like yeah. I'm like, well, how far can we take this pun? Because the the original originally I wanted to limit the weight of the ship that way we we could travel as fast as possible, and that way you know take a, take a skeleton crew, and then like <laughs> literally, and I said you just said skeleton crew exactly, so we took it literally, you know, having an actual skeleton crew, and since we were already working with the clerics, we had them raise a couple of skeletons. Attached the commands to a specific medallion, yeah. and the bearer of that medallion got to uh, keep the the skeletons. And that skeleton crew brought the ship safely into the harbor, into the port of Freyburg, City of Bridges. Now, but going back to Wint, though, we yeah. did have to deal with the um, the South Sea pirate captain looking for revenge. Oh, crap. You know, I got a moment for that. Yes, um, I completely forgot. When you guys were coming back from the temple... To Wint is when the pirate episode happened. Mm-hmm. Because when we got back to Wint is when, I think it was Philippe Babineau. Philippe Babineau. He mentioned to um, uh, Calamity that unfortunately one of our ships were lost. Yep. Well, that ship being lost happened when that our players played pirates and attacked that ship. That was w- our first episode in Dungeon World. No. no, this one was a little different. This was the one we called Keystone Pirates because you guys, the ones as that pirates, us. did everything wrong and it still turned out right. No, the um, the, the other one, one where the this pirates attacked us here. in the town was our right. first Dungeon World episode. Yes. It was after yeah. the Grove it was after before the Grove. we went to... Yeah. Yeah. But this though. one we're talking about was when yeah. you guys this played is, the pirates. This is yeah, when Ronnie was here. Scottish pirate. Britt played the captain of the ship. If you remember, the and captain who didn't know any anything. part of the ship or anything yeah. about sailing. But was still somehow second best. Yes. And, and uh, to and me, it was so much fun. The reason I called it Keystone Pirates was I'm reminded of the old Keystone Cops thing where they do everything wrong, but they still end up catching the criminal. Well, you guys did everything wrong and still, still ended up the capturing the other boat. Quit putting holes in my ship. <laughs> and most of the characters Ronnie were named after characters in Pirates, the, or porn. the biggest budget porn film of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, it was just you, right? Just me. I yeah. was. Yeah. Okay. I think we all had fairly punny Edward Kenway. So. Yep. Um, fun fact: After we recorded that episode, I drove to Atlanta in the middle of the night. Okay. Yeah. 
We recorded that episode at like 11. We did. It was that night. It was a night yeah. episode for sure. And that's another one where I mentioned Ronnie was here. He played the um, Scottish accent throughout, which was very good. He was able to keep the accent through uh, yeah. throughout in character. It was he wants very to nice. continue with those characters, by the way. I wouldn't be surprised. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are great sidebar or great complimentary episodes, but, but I, do, I don't want that full. to be my yeah. shtick. Right. Yeah. So for Stick. our podcast, it's not the right thing for full time, but it was awesome mm-hmm. for for add on episodes. Um, JJ, your character was the cook, and he did some really neat stuff. Yeah, I think he had flammable soup. Yes, <laughs> I remember. T- for me, there was that one spot where I said um, to to encapsulate what happened on this episode. They won, but so at one point they were rolling around in flammable soup. So, was, that was yeah. you and me, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was Captain. Captain Morgan. Whoa. By the I end of it. Captain. She was Well, by the end of it, I became Captain. Captain Morgan. Yeah. Because yeah. right. you, you, you were like, just start this me. shit with you. Look at me. Look at me. I'm Captain now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you guys, you guys do get that reference. You didn't get it last week when I made it. Huh? We yeah. weren't here last week. Last time. It's from the... <laughs> okay. Just when she did the thing with the Naga where she bitch slapped it, she was like, I'm the leader now. I made that reference and she just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> well, well she captain. does that a lot. It's because you didn't say it in a like Louisiana accent. Mm-hmm. I'm no. the captain now. Somalian accent, really. Somalians. Louisiana. <laughs> so but it was, did. <laughs> but it was sort of like, it was like her Cajun character's voice. Yeah. So we got back to... Um, I'll go back to where, where I was going next. The next step, back to Fraber. And at this point, we met up with Raquel, found out that the mining operations weren't going well at the quarry. Yeah. And um, we went to try and help. Who remembers anything? Yeah, tried to do the elemental mastery uh, to (laughs) ask the elementals in the area if they would replenish the mine um, full of, you know, maybe some diamonds and emeralds and stuff. And it didn't go well. Kirk, do you remember how that went? Uh, I'm sure it involved Truk not having perfect mastery of the elements. Uh, do you remember that wasn't, of course, uh, obviously, uh, it wasn't the first failure because, well, anytime you tried to master the elements, it didn't go well. Think back to um, one of the fights with the Nagas where they had surrounded the camp and you tried to, uh, Troop tried to master the elements to push wind mm-hmm. and make things happen. Do you remember what happened at that one? Epic Someone character. ended up picking mm-hmm. up a wagon and throwing it on Wailena. What, what I'm thinking right now is blooper reel of elemental mastery. I mean, I, I just, I, I can think of so many. But is yeah. this the one where I... You push the wagon, you ended up breaking Wailena's arm, killing another minion, and killing up, the horses. Like, buried in the ground. Yeah, but I, I felt like that was really desperate day. times. I had to go for something big, and yeah. it just didn't It was all work. desperate times. Yeah, well. every time you used it, it wasn't in peace. Yeah. Right. You didn't use it just to make us a fire. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's sure. That's, That's for, sure. for sure. Nice. So we tried to uh, to help out at the quarry, and what happened there that I remember was when you tried to come in contact with the ground, there was something so evil under the ground that it actually blistered your hand. Your hand. Oh yeah, yeah. Heated up, well, and, and we didn't know that it was something evil. Just something blistered his hand. Um, I thought I remembered saying it was bad mojo. It was bad mojo. I don't but, remember that at yeah. all. But if, that's what happened. If there wasn't if it dollars was a, attached. I was going to say, if it was the third care. episode of any recording session, we don't necessarily remember all of it. So. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> alcohol involved. From there, from the quarry, it was determined we needed to get back on track and head to the monastery. Now, at that point, everyone was together. And um, uh, with Elena being back. Uh, actually, everyone wasn't together when we approached the monastery. But by the end of that episode, Elena came back. So... 
as we approached it, um, behind the scenes, shadow demons showed up. Okay, they went to the monastery. They took the sensei and the sword because he was trying to use it to defend himself. And when the players showed up, uh, because of failures along the way, you didn't show up in time to try and save him. He was gone, and you had the monastery to deal with. Um, but we took care of the darkness. You did. So when you approached the darkness, it was very difficult to deal with. Um, there was actually, I think, maybe the only complete success with Elemental Mastery, making a tunnel to get there. That was a good one. Yeah, I don't recall anything particularly bad happening there. Yeah. Other than the fact that it closed in on on us from behind. Well, yeah, but it served its purpose. Minor, yeah. minor technicalities. <laughs> um, well, one of the things I remember from being in the monastery, JJ, do you remember talking about how the cage would serve as a tank? Yeah. Um, basically, you know, protect us while we're walking around. Yeah. Um, we had a light source that was attached to my sword, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we were just kind of searching the monastery uh, from within the confines of really the force of, of Nestless's force cage. Yep. And um, we we got all the way to uh, uh, Rayshon's. Uh, Quarters. quarters. It's very Spartan quarters, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, sparse, not Spartan. Spartan. They're both they're both good enough for this purpose. Um, it means the only thing that's there is what was needed. Exactly. Fine. <laughs> and yeah, he was gone. There was a pool of blood on the floor. We presumed he was we dead at the time. We presumed he was dead at the and time. And I, I remember those episodes. We were obsessed with uh, Disturbed Song, uh, The Sounds of Silence. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, that was... Yeah. That was... Uh, we apologize to the listeners for our... And the episode where Elena flew in at the end on the Griffin, after you guys defeated the darkness, as it were, um, that episode I titled, Goodbye, Darkness, My Old Friend. Yeah. I thought it was clever. I was even here for it. Are we going to get like dinged for like copyright? I doubt shit? it. I hope not. Mickey, lift your mic up, please. I don't want to lift my there mic up. There you go. I want to lift hear your, your mic up and like it. Mellifluous voice. Um, from there, Nestleus. Uh, actually, I guess all of you probably looked up in the sky and saw the Griffin approaching. That's a oh, bird. Yeah, you That's guys a were you guys were angry at me cuz I refused to say yes. Griffin. JJ did not want to say <laughs> it was a Griffin and we forced him to do uh, agree to at least letting it happen even though he wouldn't admit to it being a winged creature of mythicality. Yeah. What um, did you want like a chimera or something? I don't know. He just wanted her to show up. <laughs> Just teleport and poof. Yeah. When we said Griffin, he's like, no, bad idea. And he never let up. <laughs> um, actually, I don't know that I said Griffin. I just said, okay. We were, gonna, we were going to um, force uh, Elena back into the story because Brittany was showing up for the next recording. Yay. And uh, from there, we started our march towards. Let me tell you my favorite part. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so JJ jumped out a window. Oh, Which yeah. part? Because oh, I had a wings? hang glider. With the hang with glider? The wings. Yes. And he jumped out the window and splat. So Elena's like, I'm going to do that too. Yes. Oh. She decided the- after he failed that she was also yeah. going to try. And do it and better. And she, she did. hop glided for half a mile. So she got to scout ahead. Yep. Yeah, and I then we found that. Naga. And Nestlis was like, wait. 
Guys, let me try something. She says, I'm this, your daddy. And this, my dear listener, says, why you don't drink alcohol while playing. Oh, yeah. I don't think she was <laughs> just, just this. Huh? Just this. this I'm just saying, there, there's, there's ideas and stuff that happens that you're kind of like, you, you realize after the fact we're kind of circumspect. I'm pretty sure we weren't <laughs> drinking at that point. What are you talking about? This oh, is our temple. Like five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so we had that. Um, go ahead, Brittany. Uh, Nestle's did what? Nessa was like, wait, guys, I have an idea. And she decided she was going, going to go up to the Naga with the shiniest scales or whatever <laughs> yep, proves that yep. that's the leader of the Naga. I'm going to punch it in the face. Bitch slap the thing. Say, look at me. I own you. The Naga was like, cool, what you want? You're my bitch now. I'm yep. the now. And so that's the story of how we got Naga followers. Yeah. And from there, you guys ended up having to fight them because things didn't stay happy for that long. Uh, Calamity fell down in a hole. Calamity go down in a hole. I feel like I just recapped this. You did. (laughs) Calamity go down in a hole. And uh, then together, uh, Truk and Calamity got themselves both back out of the hole after Truk went to rescue him. Nestle's created. Nestle's gave them the shaft, so they could do that. Nestle's gave us the shaft. Yep. And then and they it. approached the Empire, and here is where a lot of this should be at the top of our minds because we just played it today before we're doing this recap episode. Um, JJ, what was it like approaching your hometown uh, or your home place of the Empire? It was. It was a lot of anticipation. It was a lot of um, apprehension, even. Um. It was a lot of fun also just because, you know, Calamity's kind of been on the edge of the spotlight, but now yeah. the spotlight is fully upon him now that he's at his hometown. Um, and we had to meet uh, Nason. Oh, yeah. He pulled you off to the side let you office. know that he had the, intercepted the party the learned of... Uh, you mean Non. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, whoever. Non and Mitty. Non and Mitty. Uh, so they learned of, you know, Calamity's little pet name. Mitty. And as a side note for everyone else who may may or may not think of that as his nickname, only one person in his whole life has called him that, and it was Nassan. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily a nickname for anyone else. More of a pet name from his big brother, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so that's why I learned there was something really the matter with uh, the Emperor and that the, the Naga, because, like, even... even um, when the Nestlers took over the Naga in, in, in the Caribbean, um, I wasn't, I didn't believe that it was the Emperor that was the one that was, uh, you know, the one that was uh, taken over. Yeah. So, learning fully that my Emperor had been corrupted um, was was difficult. It, it, it kind of sucked. Yeah, he was always kind of a... a a nobody. I mean, he was the emperor, but he nothing special. The council really ran things, and he just seemed to be an okay guy. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, opening up that tomb a few years ago uh, released some of the madness, and um, it consumed the emperor. Poor feller. Mm, poor feller. Uh, so within that, uh, the, back, the, the stuff happening behind the scenes was indeed just that, um, when Cassily had betrayed Calamity years ago, uh, that actually opened up the outer seal of, the, uh, of where the Heart of Darkness was. And its power started to consume the most powerful being in the area, being the Emperor. 
and the demon at that point realized that he was closer than ever to being able to regain his former glory and started his quest towards uh, the Empire as well. And that's where, uh, when we picked up there, both were converging. The Emperor knew that you had arrived, so his two keys, being Elena and Calamity, had finally arrived. He knew he was ready to get into the temple. Unfortunately, the bad guys had the wrong idea. They thought people were going to open it when it turned out the, it would be the swords to open it because they were forged by, by Fiat of Nico 500 years ago, Hevid uh, I or maybe the second or something along those lines, had forged the swords by design from Nico. And they would be the only things that could open the seal to the heart of darkness. Now I'm curious. This is a question for the DM here, the yep. GM. Uh, did we surprise you at all with our... Every uh, single time you open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Yes. But like, you know, the, the, yes, the, like the fact that we bum-rushed and opened a thing before the Emperor could. and No, because what the way I wanted to see it was... Uh, two options, and we kind of talked about this off the air. You were either going to try to get to it yourself, or you were going to find out whether the emperor or demon won, and then get to it uh, based on the leftovers, if you would. Um, since you tried to get towards it yourself, um, the, both the demon and the emperor still want it. But I immediately at that point say, one of them is going to win out. I'm not going to wait for them to have a battle. So once you've opened it, I let the demon come out and kill the emperor because in my opinion, the demon being there was more, more bad news for you because he's been a recurring bad thing right. or the emperor wasn't a recurring bad thing. So I was trying to pick the greater of two evils, if you will, um, and use him as your target. So I let him come out, kill the emperor and leave him as your target on how to proceed. So, aside from my facetious comment of you surprise me every time you open your mouth, which players should. If players don't, you've got the wrong players. Um, aside from that, I wasn't necessarily surprised. I was just happy that it turned into still one of the scenarios that I, was, uh, I wanted to play with. Fair enough. It was good stuff. Uh, so, th th that happened. I mean, the way you just described it, true, it happened. We got to the, emp the Empire, um, met Nassan. Unfortunately... Um, Nassan died. Now, uh, from my own confession, if it wasn't obvious enough, he was going to die anyway. But he was going to die in naming Calamity as the rightful heir to the throne, or the rightful heir as emperor of uh, Amarash. Uh, Calamity, in his backstory, has uh, direct ties, bloodlines, to one of the original emperors. Uh, he just doesn't know it. That's the way we ended up playing it out. Okay. Um, he learns this, and... Uh, by the end of the episodes, by the end of the campaign, is acknowledged as the rightful emperor of Amarash. And now, I, in, in a couple of more minutes before we wrap this one up, let's talk about how the last couple episodes went. What I'd like to hear from Mickey on how she feels, what was going through your head as you decided Nessalus was going to die. Because I think you made that decision. I did, and I made. I had actually made that decision several episodes before, when she first tried to dominate the um, the Naga mm -hmm. out in the field. I think that was her, uh, Nethalus's first decision to really embrace the evil within her, and kind of just own it and move forward. Take responsibility. Take for Take responsibility her own evil. for who she was, because yeah. for a long time in this campaign, or. 
for the first part of the campaign, she didn't realize what she was. So I think that's when the decision started. But once we got into that little room, she realized, you know, it was her against Daddy. Mm-hmm. And she either had to step aside and let Daddy take over and see where she fit in or try to save this group of people who had become, t- who had grown to be her friends. This campaign spanned probably two years. Yeah, so these people yeah. who had, like, stood by her... Holy dis- shit, Nessie's legal now! <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Damn it, she's <laughs> dead! Totally so tap because- that ass <laughs> she's dead! Because she spoke up, I'm going to go to Brittany and say, what was going through Elena's mind as the end sequence played out, where the, the Emperor 30. just died... Dantalion is op- uh, freed, uh, or, or brought forth, I should say, because of the immense power from the, the seal being opened. Um, and Truk is just about dead. Calamity has been killed, but death allows him a reprieve. Nestleus is kind of going crazy, trying to consume the darkness. Um, what's going through Elena's mind during that time? Uh. Tumbleweeds? Oh shit, 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 oh shit. And she externalizes that as just constant screaming. Yeah. Yeah, she probably just continually saw Nessalus dying. And that's why she was screaming. And then she finally snaps out of it and fucking Nessalus dies. Well, yeah, what you gonna do? More screaming. What's going through Truk's brain during that time? What thoughts are traversing his druidic monkiness? And Truk's main concern was he didn't know if Nestlus was going to try to take the soul of darkness or the heart of darkness and take that power and then have it corrupt her or what she was going to do. So he was very, he probably, it sounded like just listening to everyone, the most kind of watchful of the players, mm-hmm. but he kept getting beaten down. He did. And basically incapacitated. So there was only so much he could do about that. So I felt like that's while well, it's a horrible movie in Phantom Menace, you know that scene where uh, <laughs> one of them is running and then the, the light doors keep coming down, yeah. essentially the force doors, and you can't get, and you have to yeah. watch Darth Maul fighting with the other one. Uh, I felt like Obi Wan there, where it's like I wanted to do something, but I couldn't quite get there. Uh, but and at she, the end, she was quite. And then on, she made yeah. the right choice at the end, and you know, Truk is actually very, very satisfied with the ending because. It comports with his deepest values, which are balance and serenity. And, and which, if you want to reference a better movie, um, you could be Luke watching Obi-Wan get killed. Right. Restoring balance yeah. to yeah, the Force. Exactly. JJ, yeah. what's going on through Calamity's head as he realizes he is being named as Emperor? Because he took to it well, right, in the game session? Yeah. He took right to it. What was going through his mind as he is acknowledged as Emperor of Amarash, the mightiest empire in the lands? Um, honestly, he was... Uh, he was he, thinking he, about the money, 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 he, money, 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 money. money. He, he again. It's, it's, it, he, as a paladin of commerce, he's always worried about, worries about his debts. Yeah. So he knew he had a debt to death and a million coins to True. True, but True could <laughs> yeah, already relinquish those. He, he did. He his did. claim yes. to the million. Yeah. Coins. So uh, right then, right then and there, he had only had a uh, a debt to death. Um, so by uh, enabling. Uh, by being emperor, he was able to pay his debt to death. At the same time, he felt like he needed to do something to honor Nestlus's sacrifice. Okay. Um, the goal, the first goal, uh, initially, what, what I what I was thinking was that uh, I was going to hire all these mages to figure out a way to revive her. 
that's what was the initial Council of Mages was. And then when I realized that uh, by her death, she had neutralized the threat of the orb, um, that's when I realized that she couldn't be brought back. And so the, be the next best thing is just to commemorate her. Yes. Now I have a quiz for Mickey. What did you choose for an epitaph? For an epitaph? Yeah. On, on your stone. I said, here lies Nestleus. Yeah. Her path. She, she hit a few bumps along the way. No, she sometimes mm -hmm. deviated from the path, but she found her way in the end. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. Aw. Dot, dot, dot. Aw. <laughs> it's like A-W-W-W-W. And I think, unless anyone has something to add, we can a wrap up our recap of our Alamon campaign here. Are we good? We're good. This just goes to show it doesn't matter which system you play. When you have the right players at the table, you can still have a good time. Fantastic. I like how you said players. Thanks. <laughs> Fuck the DM. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're totally expendable. Yeah. <laughs> but we definitely had a lot of fun on this campaign. Thank you all for listening. We have something new coming your way soon. We'll have a new DM at the helm. It will be the bearded wonder, JJ. He's going to run us through... Uh, Adventures from the Sheds take on the Curse of Strahd. Awesome, we get to go to Ravenloft. Stay tuned. I am fired up for that. In the meantime, we're going to say bye, everyone. Sayonara. Big fat penises. Thank you for keeping your ears glued to our Alamon campaign. A special thanks to Brittany for being with us through the adventure. Mickey, JJ, Kurt, and Joe carry us forward into our next campaign in Dungeons & Dragons. Thanks for joining us. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. <laughs>